Welcome to the Sweetest and Toughest Job Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel, Mama to Three, and I'm talking with subject matter experts and other parents about all the sweet moments, but also deep diving into the tough topics surrounding pregnancy, postpartum, and parenting. Thank you so much for being here as we explore the sweetest and toughest job. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here another week. If you haven't yet already, if you could take a minute to leave a rating or review, I would be so grateful. It really helps people find the podcast and helps us keep going. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Michelle Mintz. She is the personal baby bloomer from Baby Blooming Moments. I love this conversation that we're having because as a parent, Myself, who's brought brought three babies home, you often have your newborn at home and think, okay, now what? So she's helping parents make everyday experiences brighter. And by that, she's helping parents establish connections with their babies and toddlers and really fostering their development and growth through those connections. So we discuss all kinds of really easy tips and strategies that you can do this with your baby or toddler. And we also discuss her book that she's written on getting rid of the pacifier. It's called All Done Binky, and it's really geared towards the younger age set, getting rid of that pacifier. I know you'll find some tips and wonderful info from my chat with Michelle. Here it is. Today I have joining me Michelle Mintz. Hi, Michelle. Hi, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you for being here. We'll just jump right in and um, maybe you can tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your background and your family. Absolutely. So my name is Michelle Mintz and I call myself a personal baby bloomer uh, from my company, Baby Blooming Moments. And um, I have a 20-year-old son who is in college now. So I have gone through the process of raising my own child and applying my own strategies and, um, and seeing firsthand how, um, how my strategies really help to have some uh, child bloom. Um, I started my company because I have experience as a speech and language therapist for 25 years. And I've specialized working with children birth to five and their families helping them with language development, the children have language delays. And what I've discovered is that strategies that I'm teaching the parents on how to help the children with the delays are really strategies that are helpful for all parents of babies and toddlers because it helps form brain connections, it helps with vocabulary development, it helps with bonding and attachment. So, um, so my company is really geared towards all babies and toddlers where I can telecoach the parents or the grandparents or nannies, anybody who works or um, plays with that age group to be able to use my strategies. And I say, I turn everyday experiences into brighter beginnings. I love that. I love your, um, your, your slogan or your motto. Um, I want to start with infants talking about babies. Um, and then we can get to kind of toddlers, but when, when you have a baby, it can be very overwhelming to form a connection. And especially I feel like with your first, um, there's so many unknowns on what should my baby be doing at a certain point. And, um, 
you know, obviously they don't come out talking, so it's difficult to, um, you know, I say they don't, they don't come out. They don't give us a manual. There's no instruction manual. Totally. Yes, exactly. And so it can be very overwhelming and confusing, um, learning how to create those connections. So what are some of your just kind of like broader tips, um, and advice for new parents? Absolutely. So I know once you bring that newborn home and you've got so many things you need to learn, you need uh, how to how to change them and diaper them and bathe them and feed them and and all your timing. And there's a lot to learn. But during that, um, those early years, even just as a newborn coming home, you can make those times that you're spending with the newborn, the times you're spending diapering, the times you're feeding or nursing. You can use those times to um, activate my and apply my strategies so that those become more enriching um, times, more times for bonding and engagement. So one of the things that's really important to start doing very early on is establishing eye contact. And so um, very, very young infants can't see very far distances. So you want to make sure that your face or the object that you might be holding in front of them is close enough to their visual field so they can actually see it. And it's really good to be able to be in their visual field and move that object side to side, left to right slowly, so you can see the child tracking the object or tracking your face is um, gonna be even better than that. So you have big smiles on your face and big wide eyes. And so that your child is engaging with you and having those facial expressions that are very exciting to look at is gonna be more engaging than sort of a blank expression. So you want to be able to, while you're diapering, diapering is a super time because there's a lot of face-to-face contact there. You're really close. You can engage them really well, tell them about what you're doing. So you can start that even as early as an infant, um, making sure that you're doing a lot of face-to-face, taking advantage of that nursing position, or if you're feeding a bottle, that's really, really great face-to-face. I'm just going to show you <laughs> face to face and eye contact. Um, and so that is something that you would want to start very early on. And as you start to hear infants starting to make some cooing sounds, you want to be able to imitate those cooing sounds or those babbling sounds as they start to grow because you're imitating their sounds helps them understand what imitation and repetition is. So then it becomes time for them to be able to start to imitate. So you want to, you know, imitate, not baby talk, but if they make a little ooh, that you could make a little ooh back to them and you'll see their reaction is that, oh, wow, you heard me and you and you validated what I heard. And you'll see that connection happen more, um, more in a more engaging kind of relationship that can form. Those are awesome tips. And my, my youngest is 11 months old. And I think my favorite phase is the one you just described where they do start imitating you and you'll kind of make that sound like you just did like an ooh or ah, and they're, she'll just sit there and watch my lips. You know, you yeah. could tell the wheels are turning. It's, but I love it because they're just little sponges at that Absolutely. That 11 age. months is a, is a super great age. I know we started talking about uh, newborns and there are things, you know, from newborns. But um, 11 months, they're just about to start talking and really absorbing language and really trying to interested in your lips. And so you really want to be taking advantage of that time. And I actually have um, 
uh, strategy for that is that if you want to, um, I know it's not visual, but I'm, if you want to increase eye contact, it's really helpful if you hold the object that they want by your eyes, because then they can quickly move from the object to your eyes. If you're at about 11 months, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 months, you wanna start having them pay attention to your mouth so they can see how sounds are produced. Then you wanna hold the object by, their, by your mouth. So when I say horse, they can really look very easily. If the object's out here, their eyes are to the side. If the object is to the side of you, they're gonna be looking at the object. But if you bring the object close to your mouth, then it's very easy for them to shift their eye gaze from the object to your mouth and see how words are produced and be able to imitate even better. That's really interesting and makes total sense. And I know we're on um, video, but the people listening can't see, but she just had like a plastic horse. So whatever it is that you are talking about, maybe it's a book or um, some other little object. Absolutely. An object, it could be their bottle, their, um, their bottle of milk or their cup, their sippy cup of water or their cookie that they want, um, you know, whatever it is that they kind of want or are interested at that time. You want to think, do I want some eye contact by my eyes or do I want them to be really engaging and looking at my mouth and, and paying attention so that I want it by my mouth? So I'm curious what your um, advice and guidance would be on this kind of infant to young baby, um, to early toddlerhood age, when there is that communication barrier. So they can't tell you what they want yet. And it can be very frustrating for parents because you can have a baby crying, screaming, whatever, and you're just like pulling your hair out. Like, I do not know what you want. Um, So do you have any recommendations for just communicating and getting through those kinds of situations? Yes, absolutely. So we say that we can't understand them or they're not communicating what they want. They're not communicating in words, but mm-hmm. they are communicating. And so I okay. want to make sure that that's clear, right? So their cry or their scream or their whine or their blah, 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 babble, they are communicating. So there is communication that is nonverbal and verbal. So they could be communicating non-verbally, depending on, again, what age you're talking about. Either their eye gaze can tell you what they're looking or wanting. You look and follow, where's their eye gaze? Oh, they're looking at the monkey behind me. They must be interested in that. Now I got that communication from their non-verbal gaze. Or they might point or reach to something. And that tells you non-verbally what they are communicating. And then you put that into words, horse. Oh, you're pointing to the horse. You want the horse. So there is communication going on. It's just about trying to figure out what they're communicating. Those real little ones with the cries and that's about all you know they can do. That's mm-hmm. tough, but there are different cries for different reasons. There's about five different cries. So there's a cry if you can become real in tune does this cry mean you're hungry? Does this cry mean you're tired? Mm-hmm. You can become in tune and try and figure that out. Then you can understand what your infant or newborn or baby is telling you so that you know how to respond back appropriately. It is very frustrating, especially maybe with your child at 11 months who's, again, just at that tip of the border because 12 mm-hmm. months is just about when we're starting to develop some words. And so it might be, oh, I'm trying to tell you and you don't know. Really watch and, and observe those nonverbal or verbal communications 
and really try to understand if you can't pick them up, show me, point to what you want, come, to, you know, show me and see if you can um, get them to, to do, uh, to communicate in other ways besides if they're just crying or screaming. You can even say, I'm so sorry, mommy doesn't understand. Let's, you know, let's figure it out. That's very validating to them that like you, I know you're frustrated and, you know, we're going to figure this out again, depending on how old they are an infant, but even starting to use words like that very young, they start to hear that repetition of the same words and start to understand what that means. I think that's great advice too, for toddlers. I've talked um, about that before on a podcast on the podcast, but um, validating feelings when they are old enough to kind of have those kinds of conversations, I feel like is so helpful. <laughs> And then what I like to think about is not just validating their feelings and saying, oh, it looks like you feel really sad or you feel really mad right now. But what I like, again, depending on how old they are. So I would probably be talking more about maybe like a, uh, well, a one-year-old or a two-year-old that you put it in their perspective. So what you would say is Alex says mad or Alex says I'm mad. So that not only are you validating their feelings and describing them, that's a receptive. They're hearing you of being able to express the words. I feel mad. I'm sad. And so um, if they're just one, you might want to just use the one word mad. And so maybe like when they're mad and you use it enough, all of a sudden he comes over and he says mad. And so instead of screaming and crying, they've expressed it in a word. So I'm always looking to make sure that we want not just receptive language, which is understanding, but that we really want to make sure that we put it in terms of how the child would say it if they could at whatever level they are, a sound level or a word level, and model for them what they would say if they could so that we get the expressive part from them as well. Okay. So I wanted to touch on something. I was um, perusing your wonderful website and um, you mentioned or brought up um, the topic of phones. And I feel like this is so relevant for the age we live in because we do everything on our phones. Our phones are always within arm's reach normally. Um, And I think it can be really hard when you have a young child, particularly before they're on the move, right? Um, To not be, you know, scrolling social media or looking something up, typing an email, texting someone um, when you're with your child. So I was just curious some of your tips on kind of how to maybe think about that. Absolutely. Especially right now when everybody is home. Yes. Many people are. And so, so many people are working from home. So it's almost, you know, sometimes not a choice. I have to Mm -hmm. send this email. I have to do this right now. But I have a strategy, my proactive strategy, which is called um, FaceTime, face-to-face, the real FaceTime. Mm-hmm. And the real FaceTime is putting those screens and those phones away because what you're doing is you're missing all sorts of opportunities to be able to engage with your child, your baby, your toddler, and you're missing those moments which are going to help them again. Um, in those critical years from birth to five Brain connections haven't formed yet. All of the neurons haven't connected. So it's really important that we take advantage of these critical years to really help stimulate those brain connections so they can form. And the way we do that is through our experiences with the babies and toddlers and their experiences with us. And so if a lot of our time is spent on the phone and not attending to them 
or allowing them to have screen time. So they're on the phones or they're watching. There's a lot of children right now that are being placed in front of the television mm -hmm. because it's hard to fill <laughs> because everybody's home. And it's like, what more can I do with my child? It's very easy to just let them sit in front of a screen. But what happens is, is they really just zone out eventually and they're not even taking in the information. So it's super, super important. Schedule your time that you are on your screen, perhaps when the child is napping or before they get up or what, and be very, very aware of the lack of attention that you're giving to the children um, could be very um, uh, disadvantageable to them um, as far as their um, ability to grow. So we wanna put those screens down for the parents and adults and the children, they recommend under two years old, there should be no screen time at all, believe it or mm -hmm. not. Um, and then if you start at about two, it should be just about a half an hour a day. I think that people can use screen time either on the television or iPads if they are engaged with their child. So not your own screen time of checking on your own social media. But whatever um, educational or, or some sort of, you know, I, I grew up on Sesame Street. And I know nobody watches that anymore, but it's really good still. It is so good. <laughs> right? It's so good. You know, or I had baby Einstein when, when my son was growing up. So instead of just putting the video on and letting it play and me go do what I needed to, I sat there with him so that I pointed to the television. <gasps> Look at the bubbles going up, 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 up. So I engaged with the screen with him and that made it, you know, more of a enriching experience. We've got eye contact, we've got joint attention, we've got language. Sometimes I'd even turn the, t the sound off on the television. It's not what they're talking about. It's what I'm talking about, pointing to the pictures. Look, the dog is running. And so then we've made it an engagement. So if you can use screen time in that kind of way, I encourage that. But other than that, um, you're, it's a very, you know, it's a very difficult thing to have your child or your children are missing a lot of you um, when you don't engage with them. It's so. a balancing act, especially in this yes. day that we're in, <laughs> like you described. So everybody's, you know, getting through it. But that's I love that advice. That, um, that's why I want to um, make sure that people know it's, it's, my company is a funny company because people don't know about it. They don't know that they need me or that they would really benefit from me. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, um, they're not looking for, um, a, you know, going to look for a dentist or they're not going to look for something really specific. And so I'm here and want to, um, you know, make myself available again, especially during this time, because there's a lot of talk about education for five-year-olds and over and what's happening with their education and their Zoom and their this and that. Yes. There's not a lot of focus on the birth to five population. They're not attending mommy and me classes. They're not able to socialize and do my gym or go to, you know, sing song music classes, which really is very difficult for them. They're not able to develop the skills they need, the social skills around other children. And it's also very difficult for the parents because they utilize that time to ask parents, other parents questions, get advice, get support. And so a lot of that is missed right now because everybody is home. And so what I wanna be able to do is give everybody opportunities 
to apply my strategies so that you are still engaging and you are still developing these important, very young skills that are not really being able to happen so much because they can't socialize with other children. I'm also happy to help because everybody's diapering and feeding and bathing and it's the same thing. I wanna give some new ideas and some fresh ideas. And so mm -hmm. it makes it new and, and you know for everybody. And so it's a little bit more exciting and more um, than just the same routine that everybody's been doing. And we all feel that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, <know>. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about one more thing. You wrote a book about um, getting rid of the pacifier, All Done Binky, and I just um, wanted you to take a couple minutes to talk about that because um, none of my kids did pacifiers, but I have tons of friends that did, <laughs> and getting rid of the pacifier was a thing, It's, it's and there's many different ways you can kind of go about it, but just That's curious um, your thoughts because I feel like this is a topic a lot of people face. Yes, thank you for picking, uh, you know, uh, um, asking me about that. And I'm very impressed that you did not use a pacifier with any of your children. That is, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm no saint. I just want to clarify. I tried. They all three of them just spit it out, and they. Okay. I was like, all right. Well, oh, good. I guess they wanted to be babbling, and they wanted to be doing other things with their mouth. And I guess so. <laughs> So um, pacifiers are not a bad thing, especially for a newborn and for, you know, very young children, three, four, five months old. It's it, some child, most children like it. It's soothing. It helps them learn how to self-soothe. Um, mm -hmm. So it's an important thing to be able to allow children to have if they will take it. But there comes a certain point, And I say, and this is a little bit from my background of being a speech and language therapist. Um, a lot from a, from my background, is that at around six months, we want to start thinking about weaning because the pacifier could interfere with speech and language development. And I have seen this in children that I work with, especially if they have the child using the pacifier in their mouth and trying to talk at the same time. Mm -hmm. Because that thing is in their mouth and they can't pronounce it. You won't be able to understand me, which is the purpose. You can't pronounce words and sounds correctly. Your tongue can't move where it needs to. Your lips can't move. So they're mispronouncing all of the sounds talking around the pacifier, which is a terrible, terrible habit to get into. So there are books about um, getting rid of a pacifier or weaning off of a pacifier, but the books are really geared towards um, a little older children, probably like maybe four, three, four, five because they have a lot of words and a, and a lot of storyline to it. My book called All Done Binky, which is available on Amazon, is very simple pictures. It's written specifically for children starting at about six months to maybe two years old, three years old. It's got really bright, beautiful pictures, very, very simple words. And that's what reading a book should be about at this young age is really talking about the pictures and what's happening not so much about the words. And so it's, a, it's a helping um, the process of learning to, uh, to wean to um, the pacifier. And if you read the story to your child and then relate to them, and if you don't call it a binky, you replace the word binky with whatever it is. So you're all done. Some people call it a dummy in England, I think, or you know, <laughs> whatever it is. So you use that word so it's relatable to the child and hopefully it can help um, wean them because um, I, uh, it definitely can interfere, not for all children, but it's a possibility um, that it does interfere. And I've seen amazing results when we get rid of that pacifier, 
not just in pronunciation of words, which I would expect, but the amount of language that actually comes and the amount of vocabulary from simply stopping using the pacifier. Because if it's in there, they really can't talk. And so, um, so I like to pull the plug, as I say. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I love that. Well, um, tell everybody how you're helping. Well, you've, you've kind of touched on how you're helping families now, but anything else you wanted to say about that and then how people can find you and connect with you? Super. Great. So um, baby blooming moments. I turn everyday experiences into brighter beginnings. I help parents and grandparents and nannies and I telecoach. So everything is through the computer. So even though I'm located in Santa Monica, California, we can Zoom anywhere. So I'm able to help anybody everywhere. And um, I make those everyday experiences brighter. So it's not just about playing and talking and reading, but it's about how you play and how you talk and read that's going to make a difference. So you can call me at 424-226-2206. You can find me on my website, babybloomingmoments.com. You can email me at michelle at babybloomingmoments.com. I am also on Instagram at babybloomingmoments. I am also on Facebook, babybloomingmoments. Uh, and I have a YouTube channel, which I believe is listed under Michelle Mitz. And so you can find me lots of places. Uh, I would love to tell a coach and help you help your child bloom to their fullest potential. Awesome. I will put um, all of this information on my show notes so people can easily find it. And um, I think you have such a wonderful mission. And like you said before, it's one of those things you might not realize you could benefit from, you know, um, and parenting is, is hard. And I feel like any extra tools in our tool belts as parents of young children is a win. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have a lot of tools. I've given some strategies today, which people can go ahead. Please, I encourage you to try. Try your eye contact and try holding it by the eye and holding it by the mouth and seeing I have lots and lots of um, act, uh, proactive strategies that um, can really be beneficial to so many people right now. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Head over to sweetestandtoughestjob.com. You'll find additional episodes there, as well as information from today's episode, resources, and links. We'd love to connect with you on social media at Sweetest and Toughest Job on either Instagram or Facebook. And a special thank you to Makai Pace for all the original music used. <laughs>